0: I am convinced of one thing, and that is that GPS has saved more marriages in the last 20 years than any other invention, okay? Before you had a phone that could direct you literally anywhere on planet Earth, you used to have to have a co-pilot, somebody that would sit in the seat next to you and they would read this thing called a map and they would tell you, you need to go left, you need to go right, exactly where to turn. Listen, the fact that any relationship Survive those dark days is proof of God's grace, okay? I'm not even going to lie. But even if you weren't driving in the stone age like us Gen Xers, you've probably been in a situation where you were behind the wheel and somebody else in the car had the phone and they were calling out directions to you as you went along. Now, if you have somebody who's good at giving directions, it's going to be a minimum of stress. But God help you if your co-pilot is a talker or easily distracted, Okay it's going to be a frustrating experience. There was this one time that Amber and I, I was driving. Amber was giving me directions from the side seat. And she, you know what? Actually, I'm not going to air my dirty laundry today. Okay. I'm not going to do it. I want to go home and have a happy wife, happy life. So I'm not going to say anything here. It was my mistake anyway. Let's just say this. Let's just say this. When you can't see the whole route, When you don't know exactly where you're headed and how you're going to get there, you will often end up anxious, frustrated, and with a few wrong turns along the path. Anybody tracking with me? Yep, that's exactly how things go. Have you ever noticed that that's the way God likes to provide directions to us? It's just like that. He almost never gives you the full plan ahead of time. Instead, he calls us to go, and then along the way to listen for his voice, saying, turn here, slow down, stop, Go ahead, you can pass this by. This isn't for you right now. Moment by moment, turn by turn, he gives us directions. This is why in Psalm 119, we read this verse. It says, God, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Notice there, a lamp doesn't provide like illumination for the entire path ahead of you. A lamp only provides enough light for you to see where the next step or two is going. We think about the Lord's prayer. And Jesus taught us to pray that God would give us our daily Bread. Now, look, there's bread for tomorrow, okay? Like, there's plenty of resources for the days to come, but we don't need tomorrow's bread today. We don't need all the answers in the moment. We need what we need right now. And that is the way that God tends to guide and provide. So, as we spend uh, our morning again talking about Matthew 14, this is like week four in the exact same section of Scripture, um, we're discussing the time that the disciples got caught in a storm and Jesus uh, and Peter both walked on water. And our word for for today is another P word because I'm a good Baptist. That's what we do. Our word for today is purpose. Somebody say purpose. Purpose Purpose is our word. We're going to be circling around this theme a lot today. And the reason that our word is purpose for today is because God has a purpose, not only in where he leads you, but he has a purpose in how he leads you. You have to understand this. You have to know that God is actually trying to bring you into a good place, somewhere that you will be happy to be, and the way that he does it has meaning and purpose and value behind it as well. As we're going to see in Matthew 14, the sending has a purpose. The storm has a purpose. Even the sinking has a purpose. And I don't mind spoiling the ending for you because I did it a couple of weeks ago anyway. The purpose is always to bring me closer to God. The purpose behind everything, every single thing that happens in your life, the reason that God allows it or the reason that God sends it is so that by the end, you would know him better. You would be closer to him. You could trust him even more. Let me show you what I mean. Let's read this passage again. Matthew chapter number 14, verses 22 to 23. Verses are here on the screen if you want to track with me. Immediately after this, again, we said this is immediately after Jesus fed 5,000 in a miracle. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water also. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Okay. I don't even begin to know what's happening right now, but I'm here for it. I like it. Keep me on my toes. Thank you, guys. Okay. So Peter went over the side of the boat. He walked on water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. All right, um, we don't need it. They did church for like 2,000 years without big giant screens. So we're going to be okay either way. All right. What I want you to notice here is that there are exactly two times in this passage that Jesus gives direction to his disciples. Two times he gives them instructions or directions. And I want you to notice the first one is in verse 22 when he tells the disciples to go to the other side of the lake. And the second one is in verse 29 when he tells Peter, come out of the boat, come walking on water. Okay. Now, it could be really, Easy to skim a passage like this and miss some important details. Or it can be really easy to get hung up on the more fantastical elements like. People walking on water and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean it can be very easy to focus on those. So instead, what I want us to do is I want us to focus very closely on some interesting thoughts out of verse 22 and verse 29. So look closely again at verse 22. You may have to pull it up on your phone. We're going old school. Isn't that funny? Like old school these days is pulling out your own phone and Googling (laughs) Matthew 14, and then we're going to read verse 22. Or if you have a Bible, which is why you probably should bring a Bible, because you never know when technology is going to fail you. Anyway. Oh, did we? mentioned, we have free Bibles that are at the back. Now, these are not loners. This is for you to take home. So don't go get one just so you can read with me today. Anyway, I'm off script at this point. Let's keep going. Okay. Verse 22, Jesus sends the disciples to the other side of the lake. But I want you to notice that he really doesn't give them much in the way of information or details. He doesn't say where exactly it is that he's sending them. He never says, sail to this specific town. You, you see that? Like, you, you do see it. Uh, <laughs> cross to the other side of the lake. He doesn't say, go to Gennesaret. He doesn't say, go to Capernaum. He doesn't say, go to Aunt Martha's house. He literally just says, get in the boat, go to the other side of the lake. I'll catch up with y'all in a bit. Now, that is a huge lack of detail and information, okay? The Sea of Galilee is like 50 kilometers in circumference. So because he's sending them from one side to the other, let's cut it in half. There's 25 kilometers of space where they could make landfall here. And Jesus, as far as we know, doesn't tell them exactly where it is they're supposed to end up. He also doesn't give them basic information that you would expect him to give, like when you get there, I want you guys to get busy doing this this, whatever it is, go heal some people, why why don't you? Or you know what, you've had a rough day, go take it easy in the hotel. He doesn't say say any of that stuff. He doesn't say to them, uh, this is how long it's going to be before I catch back up to you guys, so you're going to be there for three days, don't sweat it, I'll be there. He doesn't say, this is how I'm going to go, because y'all took the only boat we have at this point. He doesn't give them any of those details whatsoever. He leaves a lot of questions completely unanswered. Here's the truth. God will often provide direction without details. God will often give you direction, but he leaves out a lot of the important details. You ever felt this way? God gives you a general direction in which you should move, but you're left with more questions than you are answers. How's that going to work, God? How is, you, you tell me, God, that I'm supposed to forgive them. How exactly is that going to work? They won't even talk to me at this point. How's that going to work? God, you tell me I'm supposed to move to this other city. How? Like the market's crazy out there. I can't afford it, how? No details. There's a direction, but it's missing a lot of those details. See, we want the details. We want the destination. We want God to give us like that GPS map that just explains exactly where you're going every turn along the way, exactly how long it's going to take you to get there, where the speed traps are, where the accidents might be. We're like, God, give me every detail you possibly can when it comes to following you in crazy faith. But God is content to simply give us direction. I want you to notice I'm not saying he gives us the directions. God gives us a direction that he wants us to move. And then when we start moving in that direction, that's when we hear him saying, now turn left here. Now go straight for the next 30K. That's where God speaks to us, guiding us turn by turn. We see this throughout the scripture. Remember when God called Abraham way back in Genesis 12, verse number one, we can put this verse on the screen for you. God tells Abraham way back in the first book of the Bible, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. He doesn't say... Abraham, you remember that land I pointed out to you that day? That's yours. Go get, go get it. He doesn't say that. He says, I will show it to you. Essentially, get moving, and along the way, I'll tell you when you've arrived. Can you imagine packing up a U-Haul, setting out east, and having no clue how far you're going to drive, where you're going to end up stopping? Please, God, not Winnipeg. Just let me go all the way east. I've actually never been to Winnipeg. I hear it's lovely in the winter. Um So, like, but could you imagine? That would be brutal. It would be so difficult to live and move in that kind of faith. And yet that's exactly what God calls Abraham to do here. And and this is how he leads all the time. He sends us out with a general direction and then he guides us along the way. This is what he did to the disciples. It's actually exactly what he did for Peter in verse number 29. Okay. So when Peter asks Jesus, Jesus... If it's really you, then let me come out of the boat and walk on the water also. And Jesus gives him essentially a one-word reply. He says to him, come. Now, let me pause right here and just mention that one word is all you need from God, okay? If God says come, that's all you need to know to take the first step. If God says wait, that's all you need to know to hang tight until you get the come command. If God says forgive, give, go, pray. If God says read, if God says quit, if God says break up, that's uh, it's hyphenated. So it's still one word. If God gives you a word, one word is all you need. I want the explanation. I want the detail. I want the full description. I want the click more like in a YouTube post. And it just like drops down like, ah, there's all the info I've been waiting on. God, God just tells Peter, come, but, but don't lose sight of the fact that Peter is about to do something that nobody else in history has ever done. He's about to walk on. There's nobody else in the Bible besides Jesus in this moment that has walked on water. So you would expect that he would get a few details on how this is about to go down, you know? You might think that Jesus is going to say, okay, Peter, now look, when you step out of the boat, the water's going to feel a little mushy. Okay, that's okay. It's supposed to feel that way. And, and all you need to do is, is keep your weight on the balls of your feet And whatever you do, don't take your eyes off of me, okay? He doesn't give him any of those details, though. He just says, come. He calls Peter out of the boat and into a general direction, but he doesn't give him the directions on how to make it happen. And he doesn't give him the details on how it's all going to play out. God will often give us a direction, but leave out the specific details. I remember when Amber and I first moved to Canada, I literally had a trillion questions. Like literally, it was a trillion. I I had questions like, how do I get visas? I don't even know how that works. Like I didn't even know that I needed a visa. I thought I could just move up here and then I found out online it doesn't work that way. So I'm like, how do I secure a visa? I was like, wow, Calgary's this big city and there's so many different neighborhoods. Which neighborhood should we move into? And and which part of the city should we start Connect Church in? I remember Amber and I having these long conversations like, where are we gonna find musicians for a band? And then I'm Googling like, how do I convert Fahrenheit to Celsius? And what is poutine? And like, I had so many questions. Now hear me, there were answers to every one of my concerns. But I didn't get them right away. God gave me the light I needed for the next step in front of me. He gave me the information that was required for me to follow him one step forward, to move in the general direction that he had given me. It was only after i had taken one step that God provided the correct information to take two steps and three, and the next thing you know, we're living here for years. Like God tends to guide us on the way instead of giving us all the details from the outset. That's because the destination is never what we think it is. The destination is never what you and I think it is. See, the disciples' destination actually wasn't the other side of the lake. Well, wait, that's where Jesus sent them, right? Nope, that wasn't the destination he was sending them to. Peter's destination wasn't the water. Abraham's destination wasn't Canaan. The Suez's destination wasn't Calgary. The ultimate destination for all of God's people is the Lord's presence. Everything that happens is designed to bring you closer to God. That's the purpose. That's the place God is trying to get you to. Remember our word for today is? Purpose. Thank you. Okay, we're getting so much better than this. Week week one, it was like my wife said the word, and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be bad. The purpose of God in everything that happens is always to bring us closer to him or to make us more aware of his presence. It's not like God's out there and he's trying to draw. God is always with us, but we become more aware of that. In that sense, we are closer to him. Do you realize then that the destination in life is not what you think it's supposed to be? It's not what you think it is going to be. We think the destination that God is trying to bring us towards is a particular place, or it's a particular life stage, or a milestone, the destination is finally getting married, or the destination is finally healing this relationship, or the destination is finally Toronto, whatever it might be. We think the destination is a literal place or point in life. But from God's perspective, the place he is always trying to get us to is closer to him. That means God may be calling you in a bunch of different directions. Your life can go in any number of directions, okay? He may be calling you in the direction of singleness or parenthood or retirement or the hospital or family court or Edmonton or whatever. I I included Edmonton. Actually, like Edmonton was supposed to be an example of like a great place that God could call you to. But when I looked at the list this morning, I was like, oh, it seems like Edmonton is bad. All these things are bad. That was not my intention. I'll correct it. It's really true. That was not my intention. I already made a joke at Winnipeg's expense. I'm not going to do it to Edmonton as well. You guys are like, bro, you're not even Canadian. You can't joke that much about our cities. Okay. The ultimate direction, the ultimate destination that God wants to get us to is his presence. Everywhere else, everything else you might experience along the way is simply a pit stop. Because the the thing that we get so focused on, we're like, I got to get to the other side of the lake. I got to get out on the water. I got to get to the singleness again. I got to get wherever it might be. That is not the place God is trying to get you to. He's trying to get you into his presence. And you might be in his presence in those seasons. You might be out of his presence in those seasons. Everything is designed to bring you closer to him. Being in the middle of a storm. Standing at the side of Jesus is safer than being dry on the shoreline with God nowhere in sight. You are better off in the middle of a storm, but recognizing the Lord is right there with you, than you are tucked away safe at a hotel without a care in the world. That's because, in the end, and man, I just, I believe. Somebody is about to gain like a brand new revelation or breakthrough this morning based on this one truth, okay? The storm and the miracle always serve the same purpose. The storm and the miracle always serve the same purpose. We tend to resent the storms and we look for the blessings. We want God to show up and calm the waves and we want God to make peace over everything and we forget that God's goal is not to get us to a place where there are no storms. God's goal is to get us that his pre- to realize that his presence is with us in the middle of every one of our storms. The storm and the miracle, they serve the same purpose and the purpose is to bring you closer to God. So if we keep this perspective, what it does is it allows us to not resent the storm as much. Now, you're never going to be able to not resent the storm a little bit, okay? But it it helps to know that there's a purpose behind it. I I often think about, and and I even talk every so often to people who who don't have a faith in God. And I think to them, or I think about them, sometimes I say to them, boy, it's got to be really hard to go through a storm and not believe there is some purpose or meaning behind it. Because if there is no God, then you realize all the storms that we face, they're just kind of random. And some of them stink and they're not a lot of fun. And it's, but it is what it is. It's just a, it's a, it's an uncaring universe that we live in. If you don't believe in God, then everything that happens was random. And if you lost a loved one, you got screwed. If you were born with some sort of disability, too bad for you you can have that perspective but boy that's a hard way to look at life instead our faith in god gives us confidence that every single storm has a purpose now that doesn't mean the ends justify the means and we're supposed to just be like oh okay well great Uh, i lost my grandma this week so i guess i'm not supposed to be sad because god has a purpose no but we can search for the purpose in the middle of the storm the storm is not going away the storm has happened So then how do we discover the purpose in the storm? How do we find meaning in it? How do we allow that to draw us closer to God rather than pushing us further away from Him? The storm serves that purpose. But hey, listen to me now. The miracle provision serves the same purpose. It would be a great tragedy for God to show up to meet the needs that you've written out there on the crazy faith wall or the things that you've been too scared to even talk about out loud. It would be a great tragedy for God to meet those needs and in the end, it pushes you further away from him. Do you realize that can happen? You've been praying, God, I need a raise. So God gives you a job with a raise, but then it comes with so many more responsibilities and stresses that it actually drives you further away from him. You've missed the point of the miracle. God can give you the things that you desire in your heart, the things that you've been waiting on for years and years and years and years. But if you get them and they don't bring you closer, then you and the miracle have both missed its purpose. The storm and the miracle, they always serve the same goal. That is to bring us closer to him. Notice that it was both Peter walking on the water and Jesus walking on the water, then calming the storm that led the disciples to exclaim, you really are the son of God. It was the storm and the miracle that led them to that moment of realization. This is what God is ultimately after for every single one of us, a a, a relationship, a, a fellowship, a closeness with each one of us. God is not, he didn't put you here and he doesn't exist to give us everything we think we want in life. That's just not what he exists for. Instead, he exists and we exist so that we can have relationship, communion, fellowship with him. And sometimes it'll take a storm for us to open our eyes to his presence sometimes it'll take a miracle in order for us to open our eyes to his presence but in the end god is after our heart our relationship he actually wants to be daily with you and you with him now for some of you that's revelation enough like you're like wait god wants a relationship with me i don't think so yes he does he created every single person on the planet no matter whether you believe in him or you think he's made up like the flying spaghetti monster he made you anyway okay no matter whether you've been trying to live like a good little girl your entire life or you've been a wild out frat boy it doesn't matter god knows you he made you he loves you and he invites you into a relationship with him in fact that the word that Jesus said to Peter is actually the same word that he says to every single one of us. He says, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who have doubts and discouragements and regrets and broken pieces. Come to me, all of you who have your life together and yet you know something is still missing. Come and I'll be the thing that you're really searching for. I just believe there's somebody here in the room and you're saying, that's what I need. I know it now. I hear it. I hear God calling my name right now. And I wanna give you the chance to respond in faith. So I invite you, bow your heads, everybody. Just close your eyes quickly. And I'm gonna lead you. If you wanna make a decision for Jesus, you wanna enter into a personal relationship with him in which your sins and past mistakes are forgiven and washed away. And you are given a new hope and a new future in him. Then I'm gonna invite you to just repeat this very simple prayer after me. Lord, save me. Amen. Now that's simple, isn't it? But that's all it took for Peter. And you know what? That's all it takes for any of us to cry out and to say, God, I, I need you. I can't do this anymore on my own. In fact, I won't do it anymore on my own. You send a lot of storms, you might send some miracles, regardless. I want you. oh, 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 oh